0: Revelation 19, this morning we are doing our best to understand the second coming of Jesus Christ, second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming again. He's coming again. Revelation 19, verse 11, and I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called, faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, and the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you so much. You can please, please be seated. Now, if you will, uh, please take your Bible and... Turn to First Thessalonians chapter five, chapter five verses one through eleven. What is the day of the Lord? Well, there are volumes and volumes of books and commentaries written on this, and. Uh, one thing I know is, like we've stated here the last couple of weeks, he is coming again. As to bringing forth questions and getting more detail, it's it's quite challenging to give one answer that everyone is kind of uh, aware of or happy with, if you will. Some people have grown up in a church uh, setting where... A certain teaching on the second coming was given. And others were brought up in another church setting where uh, the second coming was uh, taught in a different way. What I was trying to say last week at the beginning of our time is we understand that being a non-denominational church. Uh, We have people from various segments of Christianity and they've been brought up with different teachings on secondary issues. If you are brought up with those secondary issues, that's, that's fine. The, the main thing we want to have are, as our focus is that you understand that you are born again, that you are going to go to heaven, that you will understand and, and maybe even see the Lord Jesus coming again. And that you're ready. Now, the various views of end times, we uh, uh, we know that it's it's got its uh, variations. I'll, I'll put it that way. What we just read in Revelation 19 is not a uh, a passage to interpret in a dreamy way. In a Uh, in a figurative way. We believe that will happen. And so here now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we come to a passage that refers to the day of the Lord. And uh, this day of the Lord, meaning that He will come again, is basically just the expression, and it's from the Old Testament... An expression from the Old Testament, prophesying it, predicting it, of coming divine judgment. There's a second coming of the Lord. He's coming and he's got a sword coming out of his mouth. Now that we know, we understand is not literal, because if he had a sword coming out of his mouth, that would be rather Hollywoodish what we understand from that passage in Revelation 19 is here's the 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 Word of God is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when He speaks, things are going to happen. And so, that's our understanding in part about Revelation 19 in His coming again. And He will come to judge the nations. And so... Uh, there are numerous Old Testament uh, references, one being in Joel, the uh, Old Testament prophet of Joel, Joel chapter 1 and Joel chapter 2. Um, in Isaiah, numerous passages there. Uh, Jeremiah, okay, Ezekiel. On it goes with these references of the day of the Lord, that divine judgment is coming. Now, it had a dual understanding it f- was fulfilled in part back in the old testament times where judgment came upon the people of Israel and the people of other nations God brought judgment on them but it also has a future fulfillment where he will come again now follow along in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 Starting in verse 1, now as to the times and the epochs. Stop right there. Those first two words, now as, some authors, or I'm sorry, some commentators will say that's a formula in the Greek language that was used by Paul in other passages where it's, it stated a change in the subject. Now that's critical if it's truly a change in the subject and you say why why would it be a change in the subject well we just got done talking about the what end of chapter four was we talked about the rapture of the church here's the thing folks some people believe that it's the same event the rapture of the church and and the day of the lord some people look at that as one big event others look at it as you no, know, it's one event with two phases Hey. Okay. And so my effort, my time up here is not to try to um you know convince you of one or the other. But you have to understand here's where I've come from in in my learning and I'm trying to you know be careful and not to make it a well it's it's this way or or you're not saved. <laughs> It's not that way. Because, remember, it's not a foundational uh, issue with the church. It's a secondary issue. So don't get caught up in a divisive argument about it. It, The concern is how we understand Scripture. And just one reading over it's not going to give you a systematic theology over it. You've got to pour some time into it. And in a way, that's how I end up feeling up here. I'm like, I could have spent two more weeks on this. <laughs> there's so much behind it. So it's not just an easy thing. Oh, that's that. There are good arguments on both sides of it saying, oh, this is one event and the Lord's coming. And there's good evidence on the other side saying, hey, Here's these are two phases of the one event, rapture and the return. And now you throw into it the tribulation. Because if it's two events, here's the rapture of the church and the coming of Jesus, where does the tribulation fit in? Interesting little discussion there. Okay? Some believe that the tribulation fits after the rapture. Here's the rapture happening and then the start of the seven-year tribulation. Some believe, no, it's the rapture and the coming again, and then the tribulation. And it just, all these different views, it's, it's rather uh, weighty. Okay? Now, the Thessalonian believers had an understanding about it. Look at what he says in the first two verses here. Now, as to the times and the epoch's brethren, he's talking to the brothers. then the, This will be important. Stay with it. Who is he talking to at what verse? Now, he's talking to the brothers. The brothers, you have no need of anything to be written to you. Why? For you yourselves know full well. There's a real emphasis there. You yourselves and you know full well. You know in a mature way. You know full well. That the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Okay? So, what we have here in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 5 is the clear, or a, I'll say it this way, a clear declaration of the day. Alright, we know it. It's a clear declaration of the day. He's saying it. The day of the Lord will come. It will come. Just like a thief in the night. Now, if you're tracking along, if you're one of Thessalonian believers, this is letter A, basic for the believer. It's basic. He's coming again, saying that this is this is the here's what's going to happen. You know, you yourselves know. Now, when we get down to where it says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, he's now going into uh, this. Description saying it's going to be unexpectedly, unannounced, by surprise. And it's like someone coming into your home as a thief. You are not prepared. That's the idea behind it. And this phrase is used in other end times passages. Matthew chapter 24 and also by Peter in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10 so the lord jesus christ will come to the world and they the world will not be prepared nor will they expect his return and we go into verse 3 where it says while they now see the change the switch in verse 3 while they are saying peace and safety who's they well it's we understand that to mean the world unbelievers while they are saying peace and safety then what destruction will come upon them suddenly and now he switches from being a thief in the night to and saying here's like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape Brittany we did not have a report from you as to your labor pains before birth Or any of you other women that have just given birth recently. But I think we get the idea here. Women, I know you, you have the idea. Men, we're not quite sure. We get the idea somewhat. Okay. But listen, letter B then is that this declaration of the day is going to be unimaginable for the unbeliever unimaginable for the unbeliever, verse 3. It's unforeseeable, it's unexpected. Uh, the emphasis is again on a surprise. And we understand that here's the switch in the use of the pronouns from you to they, meaning the unbelieving world. While they are saying, they think this, they figure this, there's peace and safety, then comes ruin or destruction. The calamities of this judgment will come down upon them which are to accompany the appearing of the Lord Jesus. The word destruction is implying destroy. Destroyer. What happened in Egypt? We had a destroyer showing up in ancient Egypt to cause havoc amongst the Egyptians. There's a a destroyer there. Who was that? That was God. God bringing that about. And so, it, this will come upon them suddenly. Now that word suddenly, in verse 3, um, mark down the reference Luke chapter 21 verse 34. Luke chapter 21 verse 34 is the same word used there. Suddenly. And in this part of the phrase, in the Greek, this word suddenly is put first. There's emphasis on it. Suddenly, like that's that's the attention it's getting. Suddenly, it will come upon them like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. Okay? So it's a clear declaration of the day. It's basic understanding for believers. Jesus is coming again. And it's, unimagin- it's going to be unimaginable for the unbelieving. And secondly, look at verses 4 through 8. Now he switches back in verse 4. See it? But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then... Let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. This is our second point. A clear distinction for those of the day. See the difference in that number two? There's a clear declaration of the day, generally speaking, in verses 1 through 3. But now, here's a clear distinction given for those of the day. Christians are called to put on display the difference. See, here's again how we talk about end times, but Paul is bringing it to practical issues for us. And are you and I showing forth a difference in the world? And you see the differences here. The distinctions are listed for you. Letter A, the believer's identity. Verse, Look at verse 4 and 5. The believer's identity. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Number one, you're brethren. Number two, you're not in the darkness. And you're of the day. That's a spiritualizing of things. We need to understand we are of the day. We've been brought to the light. We're sons and children of the light. Not of the darkness. The Apostle John uses those phrases many times. We're children of the light. Sons of the light. And that's your identity in Christ. And the identity is made clear by use of a contrast. You are not in darkness. So don't live like you're in darkness. The world in its present condition before God is with the absence of His light. We have it as we share it. We, um, as a church, want to hold up the, the word of life and hold it forth. And you and I, as we travel about and go about here, go about Fallon, go about Nevada, go about the western states, travel all over, you and I are supposed to not put a bushel on your light But we are to shine forth for Christ wherever we are, whatever we do. You're not in darkness. This is your identity. And so here's character traits of that identity. In verse 5, you are all sons of light. Sons, look at it. It says sons of light and sons of day. Again, specifying Character traits. It's like you saying, you're of this family or you are of this family. And so, Christian, here's your character trait. You're of the light. You're of the day. And understand what that's referring to from the Bible. You're not going to be a partaker of the deeds of what? Darkness. Don't partake in that. Stay away from it. Shine forth with the light of Jesus Christ, okay? so those character traits is as if to suggest a, it's you're of a family. You know, I, I know some of you. I, I know many of you, and I know it's like I can see here's your child running around, and I, it's like, oh yeah, there's some of mom or dad showing up in that little child, son. Of Mayberry. That's pretty easy to distinguish. Tall, redhead. And daughter of Mayberry. (laughs) Okay, I mean, you get it? You see? And you're not of the darkness. You're of light. Yeah. You're of the light. Okay? So, we walk in that way. We're not of the night, nor do we belong to the darkness. That is a character trait of the wicked. And the Bible, in the especially in New Testament, is full of descriptions of those in the darkness. Their understanding is in darkness. Their hearts are in darkness. They walk in darkness. They live in darkness. They're controlled by darkness. What's your identity? See, again, it's, it's so important that we move off of... Oh, but what's the timeline and the exact sequence to saying, you know what? He's getting really quick after you're you're my identity in the big picture of end times. You know, I we had guys all jazzed up about the end times back in the in the 70s when I first got saved. And it was gonna happen. And granted, that's only, you know, 40-some years ago, 50 years ago. It's, it's like, eh. And I, I, I'll say it again. It might be another 50 years. It might be another 500 years. Who knows? But be a child of the light. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and by the way, those that are of the darkness, they... John chapter 3 verse 19 through 21 say they, they love the darkness rather than the light. So, weigh it out in your own heart. Men, it's, it's time for us to say, are we gonna love things of the darkness or things of the light? Are we gonna call it out and say, that's of the darkness, I'm not gonna give that the time of day. I don't wanna touch that. Now, we go in to share the, the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ with those who are in darkness. But are you participating in the deeds of darkness? Get honest about it. So that's the believer's identity. Letter B is the believer's dignity. Verses 6 and 7. He's going after the believer's dignity here. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. Now, have you heard of of pranks where like (laughs) at church, those who are awake, stand up and move to the fellowship hall while those who sleep, sleep. (laughs) It would be rather embarrassing to be left here. And while we're carrying on with worship and praise over in the fellowship hall, I would, if it were me, I'd be very embarrassed. Um, I might be even mad that, you know, that happened. But, and I say me because, it, hey, you know, I could have it happen if I'm not careful. You know, you want to get a good night's sleep and be alert and all that. The point is, he's bringing forth this idea of not literal sleep, not literal drunkenness. Okay? But it is it is a matter of dignity, Right? So then, let us not sleep as others do. In other words, you're drowsy. You're not paying attention. You're, you're, you're immovable. You're not, you know, you're not alert and up and moving. Spiritually, you can sleep. And the Bible calls us to arise, O sleeper, arise. And here it is in the light of the end times discussion. Sleepers are unaware of dangers. Have you ever thought of that? sleepers they're unaware of dangers they're they're in they're drowsy they're forgetful they're sluggish they're deaf to many real issues and that's what the bible is pointing us to to recognize regarding what's going on in life and then along with sleepers is the idea of being drunk and again you know the Bible does speak to drunkenness literal drunkenness don't be filled with wine don't be controlled with by wine but be controlled by the spirit and drunkenness has got the the implications of the condition of being taken you know you're you're off loose and Fancy free, all that, right? You're intoxicated by worldly pleasures. You're controlled by some outside element. You're occupied by things, by people, by worldly standards. And it's that's what he's pointing at, that this is what sin does. Sin will make us sleepy and unalert. And sin will make us like a drunk. Controlled by something other than Jesus Christ, and both of these are of the darkness. Verse seven: Those who sleep do their sleeping at night. Those who drunk get their, get drunk at night. And so we are very easily overcome by sins and sins' effects. And the believer is to have a, a dignity in Christ, from Christ to their life to their to their demeanor, to their actions and and their conversation, right? And by the way, the only way I can really be alert and really be uh, filled with the Spirit, not drunk, is regular daily abiding in Jesus Christ. Not a Sunday to Sunday affair, but a regular ongoing day after day, Lord, I need you today, I need you now, I trust you now, I need you now, attitude and trust in Jesus. See, the Bible is filled with, um, especially in the Old Testament, there's many references on, um, like Psalm 40, I waited for the Lord. I waited for the Lord. And you know what's behind that is the simple thing of, I'm trusting in his deliverance. I'm trusting for his provision. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. And then it's not to be divorced from waiting on Christ and his return. See that? Wait on the Lord while you're waiting for his return. They're together. And we want to function that way. That's how we want to live constant trust in Jesus. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Okay? So that's the believer about the believer's dignity. Letter C is about the believer's stability. Now the stability that we have in Christ is verse 8. But since we are of the day, there he gives it one more punch. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith. Here's how you can be sober. Put on the armor of God. Put on the breastplate of faith and love and and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay. So since we are the day, be sober. And having put on, stop right there, having put on, that little phrase means application, application, application. Having put on, let me start it this way, put off the old man, Ephesians, and put on the new man application okay and little pictures of that illustrations you know joseph's father gave him the coat of many colors and joseph put it on here's the demonstration of i know my father uh, has favored me your father christian has favored you with the grace of jesus christ so put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh Romans 13:14 okay? so put on and what we put on we are as soldiers here now he shifts again number of little um, um, phrases that you know different scenarios that he's painting for us thief in the night, uh, uh, woman with labor pains and now here here's the soldier be dressed in readiness, be dressed in readiness. But on the breastplate of faith, protecting the heart. Not walk by your feelings, my friend. Uh ladies' Bible study a while ago was in that book, Faith or Feelings. And this is a huge concern for us because many times we're found walking with our feelings leading the way rather than walking in faith. And when you walk in faith in the things of God's Word and and, and the leading of the Spirit of God, your your life will Be like that ship in the storm. It'll hit the storm, but you're going to be able to sail through it with the help of your Lord. Because it's by faith, not by feelings. Children, don't get caught up in living your life by feelings. Recognize that. Recognize what's happening. The leading that we have is always to go with our feelings. I just feel this way okay and there yeah i you know something about this female intuition i i understand you know women you have something going there but hey it ends up hey it's not always true so beware walk by faith that's the way walk by faith and so that's what he says put on the breastplate what does the breastplate do it protects it protects a vital organ your heart walk by faith Okay, love is that it says the breastplate of faith and love loves the action. It's the sacrificial act on our parts because of Jesus, what he's done. Love is also the Christian's birthmark, right? Okay, so and we uh, have the helmet, another thing that protects our head. It's the hope of salvation. Here's the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ. Many of you have heard this before. And so are you then living with your helmet on, protecting you? If you're flying down the highway, doing your motorcycle riding, and you don't have your helmet on, that's not a very wise thing going at 70 miles an hour on I-80. You ought to have your helmet on. You probably want to get in a truck and maybe think about doing the motorcycle on the back roads. But you get the point. Helmets are critical, and obviously for the soldier, the helmet is. And so it is for the Christian. Here's your confidence. What are you thinking? That's what is being protected with the hope of salvation. And in essence, you're just reminding yourself over and over again of, here's the hope of my Savior and the gospel message. Reminding yourself over and over again. And the concern is that the guard in this is that you won't take on the philosophies of the world. Now, many of you say you're Christians. You you would stand up and say, yes, I'm a Christian. But in your mind, are you thinking Christianly in your mind? See, a lot of times we just kind of add on the, the Christian patch while we continue thinking in a worldly way. So beware of that. Have your mind renewed by the things of God's Word and transform that way much better. Okay? All right. So, that is our distinction. Our identity, our dignity, and then our stability. And number three, the the day of the Lord is, it's a clear deliverance of or from the day. Now, here. it. Everyone look up here, okay? Because of what I've got a cute little thing here for you. You better like it. Now, here it is. Because we got these different views on the end times, I gave you the option. You can put in the the keyword however you'd like. The de, uh, number 3, a, a clear deliverance from the day or a clear deliverance in the day now you can you know that's something that if you have troubles with you know talk to me later about it come and talk to me but this is one of the things I want to honestly give some freedom in for you if you've grown up with a certain belief of the end times so there is a clear deliverance okay look at verse 9 and 10 for God has not destined us for what wrath; He's not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. Okay, there's our deliverance. So, letter A is it, it the deliverance is by His mercy, no other way, and letter C, I'm, I'm sorry, letter B is it's by His grace. So what does that say? Letter A, by His mercy, He has delivered us. Meaning, what Jesus suffered. It's about what Jesus suffered. He suffered on the cross. What did He suffer? Did He suffer punishment from man? Yes. What did He suffer? Uh, Why did He call out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? What did He suffer? He suffered the wrath of God. And we know that because the Bible says He is the propitiation of our sins. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He took the wrath of God. He absorbed the wrath of God for you so that you would be pardoned and you would be liberated and freed to go and live in His grace. So, this is what we understand by being delivered does that cross over into end times thinking? I believe, personally, I believe it does. That his taking the wrath of God is a done deal. It's completed. He did it. And therefore, being an individual in Christ, I have that hope. Now, it might not happen. I have to say, it might not go the way I think. Okay? That's fine. Anyone that wants to live godly will suffer persecution. There will be times of tribulation. What we're left with is the dilemma. Will those times of tribulation be the tribulation period that the Bible warns the unbelievers of or is that just times of tribulation that we experience, you know, here and there? And so, we are delivered by his mercy and it's because Jesus suffered letter B it's because of his grace now oh by the way mercy right remember mercy is what he has withheld what God has withheld that's his mercy he's withheld what punishment you and I deserve to be punished but he in his mercy he's withheld it that's mercy grace is what he's given right grace is what he's given and what he's given is not deserved you and I do not deserve to be saved. We do not deserve to be brought to into His family. We do not deserve to be brought into eternal life. We don't deserve those things. That's a matter of His grace. So, this is what Jesus then secured. What Jesus secured. The obtaining of our salvation. See it there in verse 9? The obtaining of our salvation. And it's then... Look at verse 10, please. I'm sorry, verse 9. It says, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through a doctrinal system, not through a tradition, but through a person. The God-man, Jesus Christ. Mark down Ephesians 1, 11-14. It's what Jesus secured. We have obtained an inheritance having been predestined According to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him also, after listening to the gospel of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. He secured it in his salvation. His, his mercy, his grace, and then let us see it's by his love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Romans 5.8, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. In okay? Romans 8.37-39, through 39, you can check that one out also. He died for us, that's His atoning death, that's His sacrifice. He gave His life as a ransom, He laid His life down. He did it on behalf of sinful men. And so that now here in verse 10, follow along closely, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep now, is he going back to this issue of being asleep and drunk? And this is a little tricky. I do not believe that that's what he's referring to here in verse 10. Now he's going back to what he said at the end of chapter four. Are you alive or you're dead? that's what i understand as we take into the picture the context of this of the flow of things here from paul he died for us so that whether we are alive or whether we're dead we will live together with him so it in my understanding of this passage it makes better sense here to mean alive or dead. Okay, why? Well, look at that next phrase in verse 10. We will live together with Him. Letter D, for His glory. We will live together with Him and it's all because of Him and His work. We've been made partakers of eternal life. We've been given an inheritance that we look forward to so that our future is the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number four. We wrap it up with number four, a clear, not a, but the. Listen to me. It's not now just a a thing of, uh, well, it's just another clear thing you can do. No, this is the clear decision. Number four, the clear decision for your life now. And in a, in a surface kind of a way, we, we read the words in verse 11. Therefore, because of all this, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you also are doing. So right away, the clear, the clear decision is that you and I, if we're saying we're believers, we're looking forward for His return. But now, encourage one another And build each other in the faith. Build up each other. And encourage one another is a very common word. Paracleo, called alongside, you're you're called alongside someone and you're going to encourage them, you're going to urge them, you're going to exhort them with what? Are you going to become a, a cheerleader? Go, go, go. What do you encourage them with? The philosophy of the world? You can do it. What's it going to be? What do you encourage fellow believers with? The Word. With the work of the Spirit in your life and the Word of God, that's what you encourage them with. Don't feel ashamed about stepping out and saying something to a fellow believer about it. Just start doing it. Start encouraging them. There's a ministry here That you and I can have. To encourage one another. Or to encourage one another to be alert. To be sober. To be armored up. Okay? Letter B. To build up. That's another easy decision. It's given right there. Build up each other. Build up one another. It's the word for edify. Edify one another. It's about supporting You come alongside and support someone. You come alongside to help strengthen them. What can I do for you? And together, encourage and build up, serve as the daily ongoing approach to fellow believers so that you and I would have the mindset to invest in the lives of people right around you, right here, right now. Listen, we got people, I want to say this, I know it sounds like it's just a general blanket statement. I think there's too many people that think, "I, I show up to church, so what's the big deal? I'm good. I give in the offering. I'm fine. Listen, if that's what you're doing, God doesn't want your money. We're talking about ministry here. And what we've come to says, therefore, encourage one another. It's not just a matter of showing up in attendance. It's a matter of investing in people's lives. There's all sorts of ways you can do that, my friend. But the the main thing is that you would connect with people, small group some way, somehow. Small group Sunday school. Uh, Sunday night flock ministry, Monday night men's Bible study, Monday night women's Bible study, Tuesday night flock, Wednesday night flock, Thursday night flock. We've got all these things that you can get plugged into. We've got s- activities for students. Get plugged in and start encouraging and building one another up. Don't just use it to, you know, be a, a surface kind of a Christian. That's why you need to find a group that you can kind of, you know, get involved with and and become a part of their lives. You say, I'm too busy for that. I can't handle that pressure. In time of need, you know, it's either then you're on, it's like you're on your own or you have folks, you know, calling and showing up and all of a sudden, wow, look at all these people helping, helping out. Get plugged into a small group and start looking at how how can I encourage one another? How can I build one another up? Now, last line. We've got to wrap it up here. Look at the last line, verse 11. Look at it. What does it say? Paul is obviously encouraging them by saying, just as you are already doing. Just as you also are doing. He's saying you're doing it. And this is the biblical response to this dilemma of the end times events. Encourage one another and build one another up. You're doing it. Keep doing it. Now, let me close our time with this. What are you doing then? Is this what you're... Can you be identified? Um, Can you be held guilty for doing this? Encouraging and building one another up in, in the light of end times? Are you doing this or are you doing something else? Christians have a, a, you know, we're sheep. We get wandering off into a corner and we get disengaged with the, the flock. We've got to watch for that. Don't go off on your own agenda. The Lord's coming again calls you as God's child to be active, serving him and loving one another. Will you be ready? If he should come. So, there's a, a twofold approach to our, our time of closing. Christian, get involved, encouraging, building up, loving, serving one another with the, the gospel of Christ as your lead emphasis. Then, secondly, you have come here today, and if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord, you are not ready for what we've just talked about. You are not ready. To face him, you must be born again. And there's absolutely no reason why you should not be ready. In other words, there's no reason for you to be unprepared. If Jesus comes today or in your lifetime and you are not ready to meet him, you will only have what? Yourself to blame. You've heard it here, you've heard it elsewhere. Jesus is coming again. Get right with God. And getting right with God means to admit, get this, admit you're being a bankrupt person and transfer trust to Jesus. Transfer the trust in your life. All of it. Not a portion. All of it. Trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's The fact that He has done it and completed it and finished the work. Ask for forgiveness of your sins. Admit your sin. Ask for the pardon that only He can offer. No other religion does does what Jesus and the gospel does. No other religion does it. It's all about, you know, you're supposed to give back to God and actually in, in the gospel, God just pours out gifts to you. That's His amazing grace. And we don't deserve it. So, believe. Believe what the Bible says, that Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day. And thou shalt be saved. And you watch what He will do in causing you to grow in the things of His Word. you got to open up the Word. Start reading. Be a part of it. And learn what He has for you. The day of the Lord will come and the Bible is clear. Be sober. Be alert. Be dressed in readiness. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your plan to come and rescue what You created and to come again as King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray that you would give us wisdom in these areas that we have various views in. Lord, I pray that we would search the Scriptures and ask for your wisdom in it. And Lord, help the love of one another, the the love of Christ to spill over in our lives for other people, no matter what their view. Lord, we pray that you would come quickly. But until then... May we be a a people that are ready, alert, encouraging one another, and building one another up in the faith. Thank you for these dear people. Thank you for their encouragement already, their support of one another. May you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.